I'm Francisco Calvo, and this is the Everything Soccer podcast, talking soccer and everything else with MNUFC, copywriter Steve McPherson, and play-by-play announcer Calvin Woodens. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Everything Soccer Podcast. I'm Steve McPherson. I'm here with Cal Williams. I threw a Harry Potter birthday party for my six-year-old this weekend. What did you do this weekend? <laughs> Top that. I was insanely jealous I wasn't there. <laughs> it was pretty great. I saw your, your daughter absolutely lost her mind, didn't she? She, it was pretty good. We had talked with her a lot about, you know, she had been a part of the planning for the party. So there were things that she wanted to have. And, you know, we tried to accommodate that as much as possible. But she did go to bed and then we set up a whole lot of stuff. So when she woke up, although she now gets up on her, you know, on the weekends, we don't want to get up as early as she does. So she got up and she sort of already saw everything. So she came upstairs. We couldn't hide it too much, but it was great. You know, there was a lot of appreciation for it. It was fun to see, you know, I posted pictures online and I saw yeah. people were going crazy. Yeah, and it looked great. It was funny. Somebody tagged JK Rowling like in, in, a, in a tweet and I was like, oh, that's cool. I hadn't thought to do that. And then I was like, how many, like, how many birthday parties do you think every weekend? You know, she's like, oh, great. Another Harry Potter. Every day, I bet. She's just like, oh, for goodness. I write those dumb books. I know, because like, it's, it's a good, it's fun, but everything that we did was from Pinterest. You know, okay. I, don't th- I don't think there was any, there's no original ideas anymore when it comes to this kind of stuff. The, the, the craft of a children's birthday party is, is essentially you just go on Pinterest and uh-huh. you see what other people have done. And then you do that stuff. So a lot of it, we, you know, we had letters hanging from the ceiling mm-hmm. in front That's of the, the fire. That's the picture I think I saw. Yeah. Yes. It looked great, but it, it was an idea that had come from, from Pinterest. I don't know if the we put platform nine and three quarters up in the, on the front door. <laughs> so we had sort of like a, like a brick. Uh, I think it was fabric. Oh, that's wonderful. So it was a lot of fun. All the kids seemed to have a really good time. That was sort of what I did this weekend. This, mm-hmm. is, this is basically my life at this point, is planning children's birthday parties. So. Well, I mean, you, you have earned an, an A star in dadding this weekend. <laughs> so well done you. I thought, honestly, I saw the pictures on Instagram and whatnot, and I thought, you know what, Steve, what a dad. What a dad. <laughs> so yeah, you, you, my good friend, earn an, an A star this week. I, I, I could use you sort of play calling my my it would be great to just come out in the morning and just be what a dad what a dad it's always him just uh, a, a great day to start the day right a great way to start the day rather exactly are you a harry potter fan i uh, will obviously be english um no that, that's very stereotypical um <laughs> yeah i mean look i i like most kids read the books and, and then watch the movies when i was little but the one almost sickening fact that i learned my fiance also you know did the same read the books and everything apparently the books are a little different here as opposed to the original ones done in england true apparently so obviously from a language point of view there are certain words that we spell differently okay um sure but there are certain parts of the book that are uh, certain parts of the books i should say that are a little bit different i don't know what those are okay myself and the missus were talking about it almost we were just looking at ourselves, confused and bewildered as to, to how this happened, and, and we felt like we, we we basically felt like our childhoods were a complete lie after that. So, um, you know, it, I'm not exactly sure what part of the books were changed, but it is to my knowledge. Hey, may, maybe people out there can tell us. You know, if you've read the British version or the American version, 
Tell us what's different. I don't know, but I just know they are, there are differences. So you were shocked to discover that you had different memories of how things happened in the books. Is this what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. The, the, the movies are obviously the same. But. Right. Right. That's interesting. Uh, I figured there must be localization to some extent when they, they move them over, you know, like – Possibly. As you're saying, with the the U's, U's in words that have O's and and sort of British things like this. Yeah, we we like to put a U in for some reason. Yeah, why in not? Certain places. Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> just throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, my my daughter is now on her. She listens to the audiobooks constantly. Okay. That's sort of what she does while she's doing other things. So this, she got a Lego gift this weekend, and so she was uh, putting the Legos together and listening to Harry Potter. Got all the way through book two, which is her third, I think, time through book two. And now she's moved on to book three again. We're reading book five before bed. So she's got a lot of Harry Potter going on. She got a wand. That was one of the oh, better wow. things I found was on Etsy, you can go on, you can have a custom wand designed. And so she answered a, a, a questionnaire for which she didn't know why she was getting asked that. But now she has a, a sycamore wand that she is running around and threatening to poke her sister's eye out with wow. more or less. They're both, they each have a wand. The little one has a plastic one and they're just mm-hmm. Just pointing so at each Expelliarmus other. to each other and yes. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. The little one is mastered Expelliarmus, but that's about all she can she kind of butchers a vada cadaver. She can't really it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't flow yet, you know. So. Sounds like abracadabra, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Expecto Patronum is also sort of a bridge too far. But um okay, enough enough Harry Potter talk. We have actual soccer that's happened. Not, you know, obviously the team was in Florida. They played against some uh, some college squads and, and sort of different other, you know, different squads and things like that. But we got some we had this Charleston tournament which was exciting. We got to watch it on BN Sports, and it was streamed on our website. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the games, what we saw. I mean, obviously, we can't draw too many conclusions from the preseason. A lot of stuff is being tried, a lot of, uh, a lot of different formations. We saw a lot of different stuff. So impressions of that first match against the Charleston Battery, it, was, it seemed like a little, a little rugged, but, you know, what do you got? I think the, the very first game, it was clear to me that it was obviously a preseason game. Things just didn't click. Um, I, I, I think um, n- knowing Adrian the way I do now, I think the best thing to be said about the the whole preseason is is that he he probably got what he wanted out of it from a fitness point of view and, and and got the players to a certain level. Perhaps they, judging by some of the comments he made, perhaps they did a little bit too much. Sure. Um, you know, with the double training uh, days and whatnot, which is part of the course in in preseason soccer, but. I, I think, um, as I said, knowing Adrian the way I do, I think he will have gotten certain things that he wanted from preseason, but it, it certainly felt as though there was a lot missing as well. And I, sure. I think Adrian will be disappointed uh, with a lot of the performances that we saw. You know, the, the Charleston Battery game left a lot to be desired. Absolutely. That was my impression as well. Yeah. And look, I mean, I, I thought the game against Atlanta was, was better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly thought from a, from a shape point of view, they... They looked a lot better, looked a lot more organised. I, I thought uh, the back line, I thought the back line, Steve, was as solid as it, it's ever looked. Um, I, th- I think the back line f- for a while has been figured out now. Mm-hmm. I think since the addition of Tyrone Mears, which is an addition that was needed, uh, an MLS experienced head, someone who's won MLS Cup, someone who's been in the playoffs as well, someone who, who knows how to win in this league. That, that was needed at the back. And I think uh, Tyrone Mears coming in w- w- was an excellent addition. And I understand people have been a bit, you know, they were almost puzzled at the time because it wasn't the addition a lot of people were looking for. It wasn't that number 10. It wasn't that flying winger or whatever. You know, it was, right. it was something that perhaps went under the radar as a position that was needed. But he's, he's, um, 
a savvy veteran signing, and uh, I thought it was clear and obvious that, that he gave uh, a presence that, that wasn't there last year uh, to the back line. And, and, and in Adrian's system as well, the way that he has the fullbacks going forward, mm-hmm. Tyrell Mears clearly has been in systems similar to this before. You know, there, there were several times where he, he was making uh, several uh, enticing runs forward and, you know, perhaps didn't get the ball as, as, as quickly to him as, as, as Minnesota United should have. Uh, that was certainly the case, I thought, um, against Columbus Crew over the weekend. But again, what, and I noticed a lot of people on social media were, were quite surprised that he, he was taking set pieces. Um, not at all. He's, he's taken set pieces for a long time. It's just the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that when you're in a team like Seattle or, or Atlanta, when you have people like Clint Dempsey and Almiron in front of you, they're going to take the set pieces. But he's got a, a wonderful delivery. Yeah. And I actually think he's going to get quite a few assists this year should this system work and, and should it be implemented in the way that Adrian wants it to be. Yeah, we saw, we saw Birch take a lot of, of set pieces last year also, I think. Um, you know, he took a lot of corners. And, you know, I think that people questioned bringing in older guys. You know, you have your, your, your fullbacks are, are on the older side if you look at Birch and, and Tiasone and, and Mears. But they know how to play the game. And I think that that's giving you a level of stability in the back that the team sorely, sorely needed. I think that the, the back four was consistent the whole, through the whole tournament, right? Yep. It, was, it was basically Tiasone, Calvo, Boxall, and Mir. Apart from the second half against Charleston, yeah. um, when Ormsberg and, and Kalman, Carter Manley, right. uh, and Birch were all given an opportunity. But the, the thing is as well, Steve, is that lots of players were given opportunities elsewhere as well. You mentioned sure. the college teams that, that Minnesota played in, in Florida. But also there were one or two private scrimmages as well that happened uh, away from the cameras, which gave the coaching staff an opportunity to look at some of these players as well. So every player has been accounted for. Every player has had the opportunity to impress the coaching staff. And I think after what we saw against Columbus Crew, I think Adrian's comments you know, would insinuate that, that perhaps Minnesota United need, need another body or two. Yeah. Well, the... Um... It must be a tough balance to strike between wanting to develop consistency in the preseason and also wanting to see what everybody can give you. And I think that that's one of the tough things about coaching, I think. And they, obviously you get to see things in practice, but Adrian and other, other coaches have said frequently that practice is when you see guys prove that they're ready to be in a game. But it, you can't learn everything from practice. You're going to have to learn some of that stuff from the game. So, and then the balance of fitness doing two-a-days versus being ready for these games. And you could see it did sort of feel like against Charleston, uh, the, the chemistry wasn't quite there. The urgency, the, the energy wasn't right there, wasn't there. Against Atlanta, that was a very good showing in terms of the energy and intensity of the side. There was a lot of, it got a little chippy, which you kind of like to see. You know, it seems like the guys were fighting for it. Against Columbus, it seemed like the first 30 minutes were pretty good. And then after that first Columbus goal, and then, the, then another one ten minutes later, it just sort of was like, oh, okay, we've run out of we're, we've run out of legs for the rest of this game. And again, it's it's tough to draw too many conclusions from from the preseason. In terms of the different, we saw a couple different formations, a couple different approaches to yep. you know how he's how the team is going to go out there. Do you have any sense of is he going to stick with that sort of you know how he went last year, or do you sense a, a little greater? I mean, there was obviously flexibility last year. It wasn't always just. Four two three one, but you know what do you see out there? How do you how do you think the team's going to line up? Well, without giving anything away, I mean, yeah, like like you said, that there were we, we saw plenty of flexibility last season, where it was for the majority the four two three one, which is a system that Adrian Heath has preached for a long time and, and and believes in, and when it's done correctly, when it has the right personnel in there, it is very very effective uh, and arguably one of the best and most effective formations played within the the entirety of the sport. 
You just have to have the right personnel. You have to have the players who believe in it as well. Not saying that our players don't, nor that we don't have the players to play it, but I, I, I would be surprised if that was to change. We also saw at the, at the start of last season a 4-3-3 as well. We also saw that against Columbus Crew for a short while as well. And that, that made sense, in my opinion, as well, with, with Finley and Molino either side of Ramirez. 4-1-4-1 as well for a little bit as well, with, with Ibsen lying a little deeper and then Martin as well. So, I mean, look, I, I think obviously pre-season is the time to try these things. Sure. You know, obviously you can, you can try them whenever you want, but it's, <laughs> it's ideal to try them in pre-season because at the end of the day, results don't matter. Everybody will say, every soccer player, every coach around the world will always say they, want, they would prefer to win a pre-season game. But at the end of the day, those results don't matter. It's the game on March 3rd that matters, and, and that's the one that you want to win, obviously. So, I mean, look, I, I was fine with, with Adrian trying all these different formations, trying a couple of different personnel uh, here and there, and giving players opportunities. And as I mentioned, you know, there, there was the, the couple of the behind-closed-doors the, uh, behind friendlies as well, and I know the coaching staff got a great deal from them. They got a lot of answers that they were looking for there as well. So uh, it'd be interesting. But uh, as I said, Steve, I'd be very surprised if Adrian shies away from that four-two-three-one. But who knows? Do you, do you think that the as the team builds chemistry, does that make it easier to be flexible on the pitch with that sort of you know formation where you can have you know personnel lined up in four-two-three-one, but then you can see them shift a little more based a, a little bit more. I mean, maybe it's, it's something you set up in training, but an understanding that when we have the ball, this is how we want to be. And then when, when we're dispossessed, like this is what we shift into. And mm-hmm. it, d- d- does that increase as guys get more familiar with each other? As, as, I think last year we saw that the lineup was very volatile at the beginning of the season. There's a lot of shifting around as it sort of settled in. The more settled they got, the more comfortable they were, the better they played. But then they got hit by injuries. There's international call-ups. There's things that they have to deal with. I mean, if they can build that familiarity and that consistency, does that allow them to do more different things with the formation on the field? Uh, yeah, you could argue that for sure. I've certainly seen that in the past. Uh, again, Steve, I don't, I don't see why Adrian would, would change anything. Uh, I think these players have had this system drilled into them since day one, since day one in 2017. Right. I, I think it's been drilled into them. Because Adrian's had so much success with it in the past, you know, he did it in England for a while as well, while he was with, a, uh, with Burnley and, and Sheffield United and Coventry, and, and, and it worked. It worked really well, you know, providing he had the players to do it. And, and from my memory, if it serves me correctly, that was the case during his time in England. And then the, the one thing which we, we can all agree on is his Orlando City side in, what was it, 11, 12, 13, 14 was, was there's no debate about it, they were the best side outside of Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they could have easily been an MLS team. Right. Um, I remember doing a couple of preseason games down in Kissimmee in Florida, and Orlando were obviously always a part of those MLS preseason um, tournaments. And Orlando looked better than some of the MLS teams. Sure. Um, I remember a, a certain Jamie Watson flying down the, the right-hand <laughs> side of the, the three behind the forward. And, and you know, he, he, he was great. He was devastating at times. I remember him scoring a goal against, uh, I think it was Columbus Crew. That's the only goal of his career, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Love you, Jamie. He, he, he was great. He was very, very effective uh, mm-hmm. in that system. So it, it's, it's just about, in my opinion, finding the players that work in this system and I think we have those players. I think, you know, Jamie compares, you, you could compare his game very much with Ethan Finley. I think they are very similar players. Sure. Ethan probably a bit more technical 
and, and certainly gifted, but, uh, you know, we'll... Uh, <laughs> More handsome. Save that for another day, yeah. Although Jamie's hair is... I got to give Jamie props for his hair. J- Jamie's hair he game He keeps right it very now. well coiffed. The, yeah. Like, the, the length is always right. I, I can't do the same thing. I'm, I'm just not... No, my, my, I'm, I'm thankful we're doing this not in front of camera right now. My hair's all over the place. I you desperately look, you need look a great, trim. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I mean, to, to answer your question, Steve, I think it, it is about having the right players in the system. Sure. And I think... You know, I don't think they'll they'll have any problem with saying this. That I I don't think they're done. They're still looking at players. They're, yeah. they're still trying to bring some people in. I the think window. Adrian says that pretty regularly. Yeah, so. look, the, the window doesn't shut until May. You know, there were there were a few complications, obviously, in the off season trying to bring players in. They tried. They were successful in some areas, unsuccessful in in other avenues. But I I don't think Minnesota United are done whatsoever. And yeah. uh, I, I would I would encourage fans to to watch this space. Yeah. Yeah, it's in terms of adding players and, and how the players push each other and sort of challenge each other, which is the thing that Adrian's been been on about for, you know, as, as long as the team has been around, I think since last season, he talked about wanting to have that ability to have guys get pushed by other players and, and have that depth and things like that. You know, and, and this is just my opinion, but it seems like it can be really easy to go out. There, like if you're going to play fantasy football or something, and by which I mean, I was going to say American. Oh, okay, proper. I mean, like, right. I mean, fantasy and esports. But I'm talking about. <laughs> it's easier to say fantasy football than fantasy soccer because of the alliteration. Right. So okay. If you're going to go out and do that, you look for guys, and they fulfill certain things. You want that. You want you want points from your midfielders. This is how you want guys to perform. And then when they don't, you get rid of them. You get different guys who do other stuff. That's that's fantasy. That's that's different than how you build an, an actual team. And right. so. I think when you're looking at what, what Minnesota United is doing, they're getting veterans who have experience, you know, who might not be, they might not be developing, but they can provide a level of stability and consistency and also something for younger guys to push against as they work their way through the lineup. You want those younger guys to be challenged along the way by those older guys. And you want to get guys who are, could be a good investment down the line. Maybe they're not right now. You want to see what they can give you. If they give you something that's that's good, then you keep them. If they don't, then you start making other moves. It, it it's not as simple as get this guy for this and this guy for this no, and this guy no, for no. this. There's it's a constant. It's the thing that's in motion all the time, and and needs for the team are changing. Needs for other teams are changing. Other opportunities are opening up. Scouting is always happening. It, it, it's a, it's a very fluid situation, and I think that it's important to remember that the team is changing over time. The young guys are going to either show themselves to be good or they're not. And then when that's the case, then you make a decision about them and you bring in different guys. This is not, it's not as simple as just, we need, I mean, obviously you need elements. You need a number 10. I think the team is still looking for that, but it's not as simple as going to the store and buying a number 10. (laughs) There's a lot of work to be done out there. Only it was that simple. Yeah. And there's that question of, you know, how do you make sure the team develops in the right way? How does, you know, get the vets who can help guys develop? You want high character guys, which I think the team has done a good job of going out and getting those guys. You know, there's just there's a lot out there for the team to do, and that's okay. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's the thing I want to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and as I had alluded to earlier, yeah, I, I don't think they are done at all. You know, the, I guess the good thing is about about our sport is that it's the global game, it's the world's game. So that, in in hindsight, means that there's players all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know Manny Lagos and. Amos McGee have, have been traveling all over the place looking at players and, and still are to this very day. It, it takes time. It takes time to build a, a successful, consistent roster. Look at Toronto FC. You know, mm-hmm. they came in in 2007. It took them 10 years to get uh, MLS Cup uh, and win it. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, uh, and, and they haven't been shy about spending money either, you know, right. uh, throughout those 10 years. Yeah. 
You think of some of the designated players they've had in the past, like Torsten Frings and Danny Kuvermans, and the, the list goes on. Uh, Mester, the, the, the centre forward, you know, so many of these players just didn't work because they just threw money at it, just sure. just not even not taking the time to analyse the situation. You know, sometimes it can work. You know, look at Atlanta for example. Um, but the thing is with Atlanta is they had plenty of time to prepare. And Carlos Bocanegro was was down in uh, in Paraguay and Argentina and looking at all these wonderful players and over in Italy looking at Joseph Martinez and you know so I, it just it, it takes time it really takes time yeah. and um, I think this year Steve I, I think Minnesota United are going to be much better I think mm-hmm. they're going to be much more consistent I think there's going to be much more of a togetherness as well because we have a lot of players that have played together now for a year a lot more players that are familiar with the system which again getting used to that system takes time it's it's arguably one of the most complex systems in soccer but it, it, it can be and, and has been one of the most rewarding as well. So, again, I, I know this isn't what the fans want to hear, but <laughs> preaching patience is, is something, yeah. you know, I, I think we can all, um, all adhere to uh, and all just relax. Well, and, you know? and to enjoy the, and enjoy the process of it. Right. I, I think that that is one thing that, that gets lost sometimes because if you look back to last year, there's so many different elements to the season. There's so many different parts. There's so many different spans where different things happened. There's a lot of amazing play. There's a lot of stuff you can just enjoy in the moment. You know, that, mm. that win over Orlando, I remember feeling particularly good about. Yep. Um, that was exciting, the win over Atlanta late. You know, even some of the losses, it, just where the team seemed to be playing well. It's, it's, a, it's a great team of guys. Like, the guys are fun. They're fun to follow. They're fun to talk to and hear from. To see them growing and see them becoming something different. You know, maybe, and I'm just preaching this based on being a fan of watching sports, you mm. know. You're not always going to win the championship. You're not always going to make the playoffs. You're not always going to succeed the way that, that you want necessarily. But mm-hmm. there's things to enjoy along the way. And just for your own mental health, like, <laughs> like just to focus on those things that, oh, this was an enjoyable element. That doesn't mean you can't be critical. That doesn't mean you don't have things right. to say. So let's get in. One thing I wanted to t- talk a little bit about is some, some sort of position battles that, that are coming up. You know, we saw both Bobby Shuttleworth and Matt Lampson get time and goal. What's, what's your assessment there? What do you, where do you think Adrian is thinking for the season? Well, I think the position is Bobby's to lose after the season that he had in 2017. The one thing I will say, I thought Matt Lampson against Atlanta United on Wednesday evening gave an absolutely sterling performance yeah, really and, and really made his case. Competition for places is, in my opinion, one of the best things you can have to, to breed success because the... Both players obviously have to always be on their toes. You know, it's it's good to know that someone is always behind you looking to take your place. It's always good to look over your shoulder because you you raise your game. And, you know, having the the two goalkeepers is great. We 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 had it last year with with Alsberger in in for a for a while and and I know uh, Alex Cap as well is a goalkeeper that I know you and I have been impressed with so far this yeah. uh, this preseason having seen some of the training sessions. Yeah, Cap's in, in training Cap's looked really good. Just just wonderful. Yeah, bright future ahead of him, you know, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do over the next few years. It's always good to have a goalkeeper like that in place as well. Uh, but the, the, there's just so much more competition. Just so much more competition now at fullback. We have four fullbacks. Yeah. At one stage last season, we had one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So it's great. And it's the same for the centre-halves as well. You know, there's, there's four or five there. There's plenty of central midfielders. There's, there's several players that can, can play in the, 
those three areas behind the, the centre forward, and, and we have three of those as well. So, mm-hmm. so much more competition. So it, it's only a good thing, in my opinion, Steve. And as far as the centre forward is the other thing I was interested in, because you know we saw Abu start a couple games. We saw Christian come on, and Christian was obviously a huge success for the club last year. Scored a ton of goals. If he hadn't been injured. And if he had taken penalties, which a lot of the other guys who were ahead of him were doing, I think he could have been up in top top yep. three, probably of the of the leaderboard. So, you know, but Christian's game is obviously a hold up game. He's going to get out there, and if you get him the ball, he can do good things with it. But Abu is so fast, you know, he can really mess up defenses. He obviously has had, you know, as any rookie does, the issues with positioning and timing. He got called offside a fair amount, but I feel like you saw a little better discipline of that from him in the preseason so far. Not as much, he hasn't had the opportunity to really show off that speed, but that speed can obviously change the game in a lot of ways that are different than how Christian can change the game with scoring. For those two guys, it, does one of them fit that set, that system a little better? That four two three one is one of them a little better for that or for how Adrian wants to play, do you think? Well, first of all, Steve, isn't it a luxury to have these two <laughs> <That's great>. available <laughs> to us? Fantastic. Um, I, you know, there aren't many teams in MLS that can boast two center forwards of this ilk both looking for, for time in, in the system. And Ramirez and Danladi are two very different centre-forwards. I, I think in this system, I, I would perhaps argue that Abu Danladi is perhaps more fitting to it because he presses a lot more. Now, that's not me being critical of Christian. That, that, that's me saying, I, I think Abu, it wouldn't surprise me if he started in San Jose, away from home as well. And, and I, I know... Adrian likes the centre-forward to stretch the back line, and, and Abu can do that simply by using his pace and, and stretching the, uh, the back three, four, whatever San Jose go and play with. I'd be surprised if it wasn't a back four. Uh, but Ramirez, you're right, can, can hold the ball up. He can do it well. And there's no doubt about it, Ramirez is the better finisher. Sure. I think Abu is still a little raw, but that's OK. That's fine. You know, he's, he's still young, so he's plenty of time to, to develop that. And... You couldn't ask, in my opinion, for a better coach to learn under than Adrian Heath for, for your finishing. You know, we, we've seen Kyle Lowry and, and Dom Dwyer be uh, recipients of, of that uh, over the last couple of years at Orlando and have both gone on to have very good careers and will continue to, to grow. Um, Ramirez, the, the other example, I mean, some absolutely wonderful finishes last season. You know, I remember the goal against Portland at home. Well, both goals at Portland home and away, I thought were very good, but the goal at home against Portland, where it was slipped through wonderfully by Molino, just in Molino found himself in a little pocket of space, which you know he, he does very well. But I think at times last season, a lot of people figured it out, and a lot of people were playing two holding midfielders and just simply getting themselves around Molino and not giving him an, an inch of space to, to work right. with. And you know, Molino, in, in my opinion, was the best option at number ten last season, and his his numbers, his stats would would suggest that as well. I think. Uh, as I said, the ball that he slipped through for, for Ramirez against Portland at home and Ramirez's touch, I think even he will admit his first touch wasn't the best, mm-hmm. but he adapted to the situation right. and flicked it over Atanella's head and, and it was a, a wonderful finish. And I just don't think we have a, a finisher as pure as Ramirez. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Abu started and, and really gave the back four of whoever the opponents uh, may be moving forward a tough time for, for 60, 70 minutes. And if you need a goal, Ramirez will come on. Uh, and undoubtedly do the business. So run them ragged, run that back line ragged. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just think you know Abu will do that, and, and and Ramirez, as I said, you know he's such a quality finisher, and you know there weren't many chances that he missed last season when he was through on goal, and and I just think it's a luxury to have these two players at our disposal. I really do. Yeah, 
it's uh, it, it's going to be fun to see what happens. Um, with have you gotten to check out any other clubs preseason so far? I know I think I saw you on Twitter. You were watching uh, LAFC, yep. so I was curious. Watched quite a lot. What did you see from uh, from LAFC, particularly any other clubs that stand out to you? LAFC, I watched uh, on Sunday against Sacramento Republic, and I thought. I thought LAFC were good. Lots, actually, quite reminiscent of what Minnesota United looked like uh, at this stage last season. Um, you know, slightly disorganised, but sure. um, you know that's going to happen when you have a, a group of new guys go together. And you know, this is what the fourth, fifth game they've played together, and and not all of them have played together before as well. You know, again, they. I, I think um, I think LAFC should everybody be fit on opening day away to the Sound, as I think could be a, a fascinating tie on the Sunday. You know, the, the, the combination at the back, the centre-half tandem of, of Zimmerman and Simon could be one of the best in Major League Soccer, providing they have protection ahead of them. You know, I know Callum Malice uh, has, has come in and, and maybe he'll get a start away in Seattle. Good old Callum Malice. Yeah. Um, old, be one of uh, ours, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, Fail Harbour is, you know, yeah, he's, he's, he's 32, 33 now, but he's still such uh, an exquisite passer of the ball and, and, you know, was devastating in Kansas City for several years. And I'm sure he'll be a, a wonderful addition for them. And, and you know, the, the forward line that they have speaks for itself. You know, they had uh, Marcos, uh, Marco Orenia up top. And again, similar sort of centre forward where, uh, to Abu where he's going to press. Again, you know, his, his finishing at times can be questionable, but he, he, he certainly is, is a pest to say the least. And, you know, the designated players in Rossi and, and, and Carlos Vela, the, the former Arsenal man, you know, they look good. Latif Blessing is, is going to stretch back lines as well. There's plenty of pace to burn. So I'm interested to see LAFC this year, you know, I, I, and, and I think uh, that, that game, as I said, on, on opening weekend against the Sounders, uh, could go one or two ways for them. I know that's an obvious thing to say, but... Um, <laughs> well, there's actually three ways, right? Well, I mean, you right. could lose, you could win, you could, you could draw, so... But I, um, <laughs> I, I actually think they'll, um, I think they'll lose to the Sounders on opening day. Well, the Sounders are pretty good. Uh, yeah, exactly. The Sounders have been there, done that, and gotten the T-shirt, but... Yeah, that, 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 that's one to, to keep an eye on LAFC because, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, as you do when you're sort of in these positions in this league, you, you hear whispers of, you know, players going to, to certain teams and whatnot. And especially when you've been on the international market as well, you, you hear about certain players and sure. they're, they're nowhere near done as well. I think they're going to add a, a deluge of players over the, the next yeah. uh, week or so. So yeah. that, that's one to keep an eye on. For yeah. Sure. I was pretty impressed with uh, Columbus, actually. Uh, yep. You know, the, the, the way the ball just pinged around the field for them. I mean, there was a little bit of that on, on, on both sides. Like, we, I think we moved the ball pretty well. Couldn't get that final ball was sort of the big challenge, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in our match against them. But, you know, a lot of a counterattacking from both teams, sort of like a laying in weight and then springing on it. And then Columbus just, you know, moving that ball across, like, the, the top of the box, like, moving it around. They, they, looked, they looked really good. You know, we know, you know they, obviously there's... there's things outside of the pitch that, that Columbus is dealing with in terms of right. business and things like that. But it's easy to forget, like, they went pretty far in the playoffs. Like, <laughs> looked Look, pretty I mean, good. They're a good so. team. Greg Berhalter has organized them very, very well for several years now. And the, the, the two things I will say, um, whilst we're talking about Minnesota United and, and Columbus crew in that particular game, that the one irritation I had was I didn't think our midfielders, our central midfielders, were quick enough in transition. Mm-hmm. There were several times where the ball would come up from the back line and it would go into to a central midfielder's feet. Yeah. And you would have both fullbacks busting a gut to get up the yeah. wing. And the ball just didn't, it, it didn't go Held quick enough. It didn't yeah. go quick I, enough. I, I and and, and, and when, it, when it did, I, I felt as though the passes were poor and they were behind the player as opposed to in front of them so they could run onto yeah. it. So that, mean they had to, that meant they had to check their runs and come back inside and, 
and by then the momentum had gone. So that that was right. the, the main issue. And you're right about the the ball in the final third as well. I thought that those were the main issues for Minnesota against Columbus. Yeah, you saw and Columbus. You just saw so many you know first touches that went right on to somebody else. You mm. know that it was just a bang bang play. Yeah, and I absolutely. think that you saw a little bit of thinking. You know, sort of from our central midfield, like a, a little consideration, and sometimes that's good. But sometimes you just want to move it along yep. and just keep it going. So, But I, th- I think um, that the one player who impressed me for Columbus Crew, and, and to no real surprise, is, is Jassy Zardes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's obviously had a, a bit of a rough spell at LA Galaxy over the last couple of years. But I actually, and, and I said this, and it's easy to say now, I actually tweeted this out. It's easy to say now because of the, the preseason he's had. Sure. But as soon as I saw that he had gone to Columbus Crew, and I know that was a big deal to have uh, Ola Kamara go over to LA Galaxy. It was, it was a big-time trade, and look, I think Ola Kamara is going to be great for the Galaxy this year. I, I think providing that Zardes gets the service, which I think he will, from the likes of Pedro and, and uh, Higuain, I, I think that Jassy Zardes could be 14, 15-plus goals this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very direct, and he, he reads the line, toes the line very well, I beg your pardon blistering pace you know so I, I actually think he's going to be much more effective than people are giving him credit for it's also really fun to say the name jesse <laughs> that was one of those ones that i've looked at that name and thought how do, how exactly do we do i say that but but jesse just jesse yes, yes it just feels right. is it is it is it jesse or is it jesse do you get the y in there jesse jesse Almost like Jesse, really, isn't Jesse, it? Yeah, it's like an Jesse. English Jesse. Jazzy? Sort of jazzy. Like DJ Jazzy Jeff. Uh, but yes. Yeah. Jazzy. Well, I'm going to say that on the Jazzy's air now. Artist. I? Yeah, I'm going to blame you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one last thing before we go. Have you watched The Wire? I haven't watched The Wire. Oh, no. man, you got to watch The Wire. I have a friend, Jonathan Abrams, who just put out a book called All the Pieces Matter. Okay. Uh, it's a thing I've been reading. It sort of came I wrote a thing about Adrian and, and his, this idea of belief and how the team begins to believe in itself and how important that is. And I referenced The Wire at the end of it because okay. uh, the show is really about how when you're doing something, you have to take, you have to work with everything that's there. There's every little piece matters as you're building something. And I think that's, that's a really important point. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Wire is amazing. This is my okay. chance to stump for it. So Jonathan Abrams' book, All the Pieces Matter, is fantastic. But I started rewatching The Wire this week. I've watched three episodes so far. And I've watched the whole thing several times. So this is a chance to sink back into it and just realize how well assembled that show is. Uh, If anybody has not seen it, it deals with, it sort of starts with dealing with the drug trade and cops in Baltimore and then goes in all kinds of different directions from there. Really looking at sort of the failure of institutions and and just urban, the the state of of urban life and living in, you know, our time right now. People trying to overcome that. Uh, sometimes winning victories but losing wars. It's an amazing piece of work, so I highly recommend it. Have you been Have you been binging anything? Well, the, the the one thing I did start again on Sunday because it returned and I was very excited was The Walking Dead. Ah, um, now you got to sell me on that one because I watched the first season. I was like, okay, everyone's just going to die slowly. Until... Yeah, and and see, this is the thing. <laughs> I, I I sort of agree with that, Steve, and I, I understand people who are slightly frustrated with it now or have given up. Because at the end of the day, like, how many zombies can there be left? How many people can be left? But, <laughs> right. You know, the, the thing is, it's like, you know, I was one of these suckers when it came to Lost as well. Oh, man. Um, it's, yeah. one of, it's one of those programs, uh, Walking Dead is, that I've been watching it since 
God, when did it first come out? Was it 2009, 10, wow, something like that? that? You know, yeah, so probably, I, yeah. I was 20 years old sure. and, and 28 now. So we watched this is this show has taken eight years of my life. It's essentially raised you. Right, exactly. I walked down Hennepin Avenue downtown uh, in Minneapolis thinking there's going to be a walker walking around, you know, and <laughs> I just, it, it's just a show that I've watched for a long time. So I've just thought I've got to stick with it now because. It's just uh, something I've watched for a long time. But, you know, I, I, I do agree. Like, it's kind of one of them things now where you kind of think, all right, well, everyone's going to die at some stage, yeah. surely. So, But, no, I, I am in need of something else to watch as well. So uh, always up for recommendations. I'm waiting for Game of Thrones as well. I am a Game yeah. of Thrones nerd. Yeah, um, I think I'm in it for the long haul on that one. Although yes. I, I, I feel like it's gone down. The, the first three or four seasons of Game of Thrones is just immaculate. Sure. Like, it's, it's so good, but... By the time they get to the Red Wedding, that's sort of the, the conclusion of the initial arc, I think, that they start with the, you know, sort of the Starks and, mm-hmm. and how that goes. So after that, I think it, it, sort of, it sort of wandered around a little bit. And now it's become a sort of very different show because they're obviously positioning everything for the end game. There's a lot of moving yep. people into place and wars are starting. And so I'm still in it. But uh, it's got to be the last season, the next one, hasn't it? I think that's right. But I think the next season isn't until next year oh, now. Yeah, I know. They just <laughs> they keep shoving it off. Get into the wire. It takes a while. Okay. It's, it, it, each season is 12 episodes, except the last one I think is 10. But in any season, it takes about half the episodes before you sort, it sort of clicks and you sort of really see what's going on. And some of these character arcs are multiple seasons. It's, it's very novelistic. It takes time. So I would, I would ask for patience. Okay. Like we've been asking for <laughs> the Minnesota United of TV shows. All right. Thank you for joining us for uh, the Everything Soccer podcast. We're going to be back in a couple weeks uh, talk about the start of the season. The home opener is going to be coming up the week that we record our next podcast. We'll have a couple games under the belt, and we'll be talking about anything that comes up for Minnesota United. Maybe we are going to be adding some more people. Let's see, let's see what happens with that. The season opener is this Saturday, March 3rd, against the Quakes. That's in San Jose, and you can watch that on Fox Sports North and hear the mellifluous tones of... My fellow uh, pod, potty. Ooh, I like that. I'll be nicking that. Mellifluous? That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> stealing that. <laughs> hey, I want to hear about a mellifluous finish. That would be amazing. Uh, so you can watch that on Fox Sports North. Be sure to follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. And you can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com. And I'm at Steve Enteris. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. And people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>